Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. This episode is our episode kicking off Cameron Crowe Soundtrack Month. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. And joining me is the man who doesn't need money. All he needs is some tasty waves, a cool buzz, and he's fine. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here is Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamin. Also joining us for this episode, very special guest. All apologies to Matthew Quick and Nick Hornby, but our guest is my favorite living author, and I'm super excited to have him join us. He's the man behind such novels as Lawn Boy, This Is Your Life, Harriet Chance, The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving, which, uh, as an aside, that's my favorite. And I know he's got another novel in the can waiting to be published, and he's working on yet another one. And I'm sure I'm going to ask him a a question or two about that project. So please welcome to the podcast, the the man who will serve no fries before their time. Here's Jonathan Evison. Oh, man, dude, you just got your way on my Christmas list with that. Favorite living author, friends for life, buddy. You know, I've been been telling Wayne that I might get all fanboy on you, having you on this episode. So I I am really honored to have you join us. So was that was that intro to fanboy or was it was it okay? That's great. You know, that's a dream, buddy. People want to hear somebody got to be somebody's favorite living author, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So premise of our podcast, it's fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, I have to ask the all-important question, what T-shirt are you wearing? Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing my Hootie and the Blowfish uh, summer summer uh, 2018 shirt. That's right. I think uh, I think somebody on this podcast gave that somebody to you. I know. My favorite living podcaster. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, that is that is an honor. Thank you. Uh, so I am I am wearing my latest uh, addition to the uh, uh, to the T-shirt collection. In fact, Wayne, I got you I got you one as well. So last night I went and saw Dropkick Murphys for the very first time. That was an experience in itself. So I am wearing uh, I'm wearing Dropkick uh, to, nice. to to this episode. And uh, and Jonathan, I kind of queued you up on uh, on the the question that we'd ask. So, what T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a Detroit Cobras T-shirt, and uh, you know I've grown since I wore it last because it's a little <laughs> tight. It doesn't help that I'm wearing a, a long john shirt under it, but I'm wearing a black Detroit Cobras shirt. It says Detroit Cobras on it. Got a little cougar there in the middle, orange yellow. Nice. All right. Detroit so, uh, representing. So we we just did a guest guest spot for uh, the Rock in the Suburbs podcast where we talked about we talked about our T-shirts. We uh, Wayne, you put me on the spot and asked me about my too small to wear U2 T-shirt. So Jonathan, I understand. I totally understand about those. Some shirts just don't fit anymore. Yeah, man. I went to get two suits the other day because I'm going on tour. I, I leave on tour in about ten days, so I went to. You know, I went went to suit shopping, and man, my waist was a 38, dude. I used to be a 34, man. Book touring's tough on you, man. I've done 11 national tours, and I just get fatter every time. So, so which which tour is this for? Is this for the Lawn Boy trade? The paperback, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mercifully, it's not that big. It's only like 13 cities or something, man. Because I've I've had some groomers, like 40, 50 cities, and man. 
it's tough when you're a dad being away from your family. Yeah. And you know, when you're when you're just eating nothing but pot pies and drinking like ten Guinness a night, you know, no small wonder that I'm a thirty eight. Who, who, who's feed, who's feeding you pot pies in the green room? Like maybe you need to make some better requests. <laughs> no, I just find, pu- you know, I just end up at a pub every night and you know, I like pub food. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so before we talk about, uh, uh, our soundtrack of, of this week, which is fast times at Ridgemont high, I like to call it the easy rider of our generation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a <laughs> That's a good comparison, actually. <laughs> it's kind of sad for our generation, but there it is. Right. That's true. <laughs> we didn't quite live up to the. Yeah, we didn't quite live up to the uh, expectations of the Dennis Hoppers of the world, did we? Oh, poor Robert <laughs> Romanus, man. That film was supposed to be his vehicle, man. Yeah. You know that? But Spicoli stole it with his antic stoner stuff. But, you know, he's a, you know, it's Romanus, it's Damone who's got the, like, you know, redemptive character arc and stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. just didn't like him like they like Spicoli. No. Yeah, well, you, you, you can't not show up to take the girl to the clinic. That, that was the ultimate douche move. Great iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's probably pretty interesting that we would ask you to come on a, a music podcast. I mean, the, the the people that we've had on as guests thus far, um, you know, not not counting friends who have who have uh, been on a couple episodes, but we primarily look at musicians as as our guests. But uh, it's not really that big of a stretch to have you on, considering, I mean, you you started back in the day as a musician, like you were in a band with with Stone Gossard called March of Crimes. Am I getting that correct? Yeah, I kicked him out of that band. As a matter of fact, I was just <laughs> gonna, I was <laughs> I was just going to ask because I had read somewhere that he had joined Green River because quote Stone got fired and we picked him up just before we recorded the first demo. So how does Stone Gossard get fired from a band? Well, you know, we were kind of a we were kind of a you know uh, you know a kind of a hardcore outfit. You know what I mean and. And and Stoney Stoney was bringing a little bit more of the Van Halen vibe or something like that, which was fine. It just wasn't jiving with our, you know, we were a little more like uh, OC hard hardcore a little bit more, you know what I mean? Okay. Four chords, straight ahead, fast, and it was he was getting a little songwritery. Well, I mean, so, we remained fast friends until now. It wasn't like a acrimonious parting or anything. That's just kind of my that's my little footnote in in you know rock history is when I fired Stoney Gossard. And, and I was going to say, you you wrote the liner notes for like the Green Box, uh, Green River. What is it? A deluxe set? Is it a box set? What what? what yeah, it's what? two sets. It's two. Uh, it's two sets. It's uh, rehab dolls and then the, the other demos. I forget what it's called. But yeah, I wrote two sets and that was really fun. And you know, um, I've known the Sub Pop guy. You know, I knew Poneman and Pavitt back in the day. And you know, of course, Mark's still running Sub Pop with um, Dean Whitmore. And so. It was a labor of love for me, and so I just said, "Hey, uh, how about paying me in records?" You know what I mean? And dude, they sent me like seventy pounds of records. I got to cherry pick the entire Sub Pop catalog. It was so fun. I, I basically have the entire Sub Pop vinyl catalog now. That's that's like thirty years worth of music. Yeah, and but they were thrilled because you know the records cost them four bucks each, and it's like you know it's like hundred and fifty records or something. 
Yeah. Um, you know, just the vinyl catalog. A lot of it's digital, but like I got everything pretty much they had on vinyl. It's only, you know, like 150 records. So for them, that was a deal too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, didn't cost them, but it was so much funner than just getting a check from somebody to like get 70 pounds of records in. <laughs> you feel me on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Have you listened to all of them? Just about. You know, I've been working my way through them for a couple of months. You know, nice. the problem is I should have just left them separate, but I went ahead and alphabetized them. And, you know, when you got 3,000 records and they're alphabetized and they're by genre and stuff, you forget you put stuff in there. So, you know, I'll still run across something I haven't explored yet. But it was fun for me because, you know, I'm an old guy and, and you know, Stuff Pop's still releasing great stuff. And so it kind of keeps me a little more current. Yeah. And you you go pretty deep. Like uh, I saw... I saw the 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 one um, the one article that you did for Large Hearted Boy where you you created a playlist for Mike Munoz. Um, he he is the, the the main character of Lawn Boy, and there's some stuff on that playlist that I I'd never heard of. Like I I had no idea who Baby Huey was. And by the way, thank you. Nice little discovery there. Um, right. But, I mean, you one of the you, great you, soul albums ever recorded. It's it's fantastic. I listened to it afterwards because I'm like, man, that sounds familiar. And then I put it on, and I'm like, oh crap! Like, yeah, like, that version of a change is gonna come. I mean, it's tough to say it's better than Sam Cooke's, but I think it is. I mean, it's just wow, it's just epic. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not pandering be, to to the guests, but I I I gotta I gotta tell you, I I like it. I like it better than Sam Cooke's version as well. Uh, Wayne Wayne ever heard of Baby Huey? Uh, no, but um, that is a tall order out doing Sam Cooke, so I'm going to have to check that out. The whole yeah. album, you'll probably recognize some of the stuff because it was like, uh, he was kind of widely, that record was pretty widely sampled, you know, by Grandmaster Flash and people like that, like early rap acts and stuff. But the story with Baby Huey was, I mean, the guy died when he was 25 of a heart attack, you know, and, and he didn't even finish that album. Um, so Curtis Mayfield was the guy that signed him, and Curtis Mayfield did, did all the arrangements for the album. But so they had to fill the album out with like three or four instrumentals, Curtis Mayfield instrumentals, because maybe Huey died while he was recording it. It was oh, just wow. such a bummer, because I just think of like, I mean, he was 25. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had been a, a giant of soul music, but as it is, he's like totally obscure. You know, one of the things that you brought up to me was, hey, we should we should do an episode on, you know, underappreciated bands or underappreciated albums. So who would be some of those? that you would that you would want to revisit well i mean we just named one and baby huey but uh yeah you know i mean i mean somebody like howard tate uh who you know i mean has a certain level of fame but not people don't realize how great howard tate was or uh or like the mummies they were also on that mike Munoz list i mean yeah, like yeah. best live band one of the best live bands i've ever seen them in detroit cobras uh the mummies were amazing i mean you know they dressed up like mummies they had that total garage sound that was you know it sounded kind of like, uh, you know, the um, milkshakes or something like that. Just really rad. It's like punk meets surf meets psychedelic meets. Um, they're amazing. There's like three records worth of material. Most of it's totally bootleg. Like I, I got a mummy's bootleg from, you know, somewhere in Europe and, and, and it just had a white label. I mean, it didn't say anything on it and it was driving me crazy. So I, I had to, I had to do something that's sacrosanct. I had to write A and B with a Sharpie on the label. Yeah, which is probably a collector's no-no, man. But it was driving me nuts because I didn't know what side of the record I was playing. Well, I, you know, now now I'm kind of feeling bad that I 
I invited you to 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 be a part of this record, the Fast Times uh, soundtrack, because what we are, what Wayne and I are learning is that our guests are way smarter than us when it comes to music. So we just had, we just did uh, an episode with Michael MacArthur. He's a, a Florida singer songwriter. He picked John Prine's The Tree of Forgiveness as the one that we were gonna, going to explore. And our guest for next week, she picked a fantastic record that we've been listening to as well. And both of us are like, maybe we should just leave it to our guests to pick these really great records to revisit. So, Dude, you know where to find me. And if you yeah. get out from Florida to Puyallup, man, we'll, we, you come down to my garage. We'll record live from my garage, man. There. There we go. I mean, my parents. My parents now live in Tenino. If uh, if you're aware of where Tenino is, I know exactly where it is. It's six yeah, miles yeah. from Olympia. Exactly. Yeah, so I used to. I go to that Wolf Haven down there. That yeah, that's that was a that was a favorite spot of my uncle Dale when he was still alive. So yeah, that's that that's hilarious. All right. Well, uh, so so for this episode, let's jump into this. So we're going we're gonna discuss the soundtrack to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, we were going to do more episodes in February. We were going to dedicate the month to 80 soundtracks. Yeah, that didn't happen, but we did at least do the Pretty in Peak soundtrack. So, you know, we we did that. But we are designating this month as our Cameron Crowe soundtrack month. And what better way to start out but with Cameron's first movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He didn't direct this. He did write it. It's based off of one of his books. So I don't know Wasn't how... Penelope, Penelope Spheris, right? Was yes. It, didn't she direct it? Yeah. No, yeah. Amy Heckerly. Oh, oh it's was... Amy Heckerly. That's right. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much of the music is really his doing. I think uh, the executive producer, if I, if I remember right was um, Irving Azoff. We'll talk about him in a, in a moment. But like Jonathan, when they turned revised fundamentals of caregiving into a movie, and you can find that on Netflix, not with the, that same title, um, they did add some music to the movie. And I'm guessing the, the music wasn't completely half bad. There was a Leonard Cohen song on there. There was a- You know, a the soundtrack sure. was actually pretty good. Yeah, it's a, and there was a Sharon Van Etten song on the on the soundtrack as well. They did okay as far as the music they chose. I think so. You know, I was going back and forth for with Rob. You know, I mean, he was really cool about the whole process. And I mean, I, I lobbied for a couple friends bands who I thought would fix. That would be a good break for them. And you know, I had some songs I was really lobbying for too, like the Walkman. We can't be beat. I just thought it would be a perfect sort of anthem for you know, so, sort of the emotional building of the you know. Uh, you know, like the penultimate scene kind of thing, but uh, it, you just don't know what you're going to have to pay for it, if the rights are available and stuff like that. But it was nice right. that they listened to me. Did you did you suggest the Leonard Cohen song? I did not. Okay. But you know, I'm a huge LC fan. You know, I I, I think of Cohen as a poet before I think of him as a musician. I mean, really, he just kind of sounds like some guy sitting in a cold water flat, burning his arms with you know hot candle wax or something, but. Like his play, I mean, he can stand toe to toe with any poet of the 20th century. I mean, the guy just writes about despair like nobody. So uh, yeah, I've got about, I think I got four or five minutes going records out there. Sometimes they make me cry just the sheer beauty of the lyrics. Yeah. What about uh, Fast and Loose by Motorhead? Did they get that in there? I got some Motorhead. 
you know, I got the big album with Ace of Spades. I think that's the only one I have. You know, my metal actually needs some work because I got some friends that are kind of headbangers. I need to, I need to, you know, part of curating my record collection is about, you know, there's so many people through here partying, other writers and friends. And, you know, it's kind of a, you know, people come here and they stay the weekend and, and, you know, like I hate Rush and this could be a deal breaker for you guys. I don't know. They drive me insane. Nope. But, but, you know, I got to have, I got to have 2012 or whatever it's called. And I got to have, you know, I got a few Rush records out there because my friends are going to want to hear it. And so I got to get some more like, you know, metal too. I got some Motorhead. I got some like Scorpions and Maiden and Judas. I mean, I got some staples, but I think I got to get a little deeper on the metal for some of my headbanger friends. Well, do you consider Rush a guilty pleasure? Do I consider what a guilty pleasure? Rush. Do you do you consider them a no, guilty pleasure? No, no, pl- not even a guilty pleasure. No, listen, Getty Lee makes me want to, you just like, you know, spoon my eardrums out or something. I can't, I can't listen to him. And, and Neil Peart needs to just stop. Just stop. I get it. You're a good drummer. And everybody, it's like, it's like, they're all virtuosos. I get that. I can respect the mus- musicianship. It's like, it doesn't make it, you know, you put it all together and it's too much. Yeah. Too much of a good thing. You know who else is too much of a good thing? Michael McDonald, too much of a good thing. Too much oh. of a husky white guy thing. Now now you're hurting my feelings. I, <laughs> well, no, I, listen. Just hear no. my argument out on this. It makes good <laughs> sense. I really believe that music needs space. It's the space between notes. It's the space between beats that really, really makes music alive, which is why I was honestly not a huge grunge fan, believe it or not. But anyway, so Michael McDonald just takes up all the mid-range in every song. Oh, yeah. He comes in with that big Hammond B3, and it's like, and then he starts singing, and that's like, so you got this, and there's just nothing left for anybody else. The Christmas yeah. record's good, though. Like the yeah. Christmas record for just for Kitsch Factor. Well, we've 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 chatted a few times on the podcast about my love for yacht rock. So Michael Michael uh, has a little little soft space in my heart, but that that, that that's that's all right. That's all right. I can get behind some Christopher Cross. I can get behind some Doctor Hook sharing the night together. I like yeah, a little yacht rock. Yeah. Do you hear that, Wayne? He's cool with Christopher Cross. Uh, Steely right. Dan is yeah. yacht rock, right? I mean, isn't Steely Dan? Yacht rock? Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's like the definition of yacht rock to me. Yeah, but just just keep in mind, Michael McDonald is on some of those Steely Dan tracks. I know it was pretty hard to miss those backing vocals. <laughs> it is that absolutely. He is. was on some Criss Cross backup vocals too, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Ride like the wind. You can't miss him in that one. Well, I've got such a long way to go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Don't, don't it always get me, makes me smile. Don't get me started. I'll duet with you, man. It always makes me smile. I'll give it that. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sidetracking you guys. No, no, no. We're, oh, then, no we're, absolutely. We are the kings of tangents. So yeah, it's, this, it is, it's all good. It's all good. You're actually keeping us on track as much more so than anything else. Let's talk about how you all can can listen to some of the songs off of this this record. This one's going to be a little harder for you to access. So some of the songs are not available on Spotify at all. If you actually do a search for the actual soundtrack, um, yeah, it's not on there. In fact, uh, the label the labels released it. Only the songs from like Jackson Brown, Stevie Nicks, T- Timothy B. Schmidt are there. All the other songs are like grayed out. And 
if you try and find them on YouTube, good luck on that as well. There's actually one artist in particular. I couldn't find her song on Spotify or YouTube at all. So I went out and actually I purchased the CD off of eBay. The disc itself was in okay shape. The jewel box was mangled, had a dried substance on it that kind of looked like dried maple bar frosting, but I'm afraid to know exactly what it is. So I just, yeah, I no, no. Uh, So I just want all the listeners to know this is how dedicated we are um, about our craft is that I would go purchase the CD for research for the podcast. I guess I'm lucky. I already had it. I got it when it came out on CD. Yeah, uh, well, 25, 25 years ago, uh, I got it for pretty cheap, five, $5.44 with shipping. Um, and the cover of the album features the checkered vans. Uh, Wayne, I think you still own a pair of those, right? I have two pair. I have the yard working pair that's green and then I have a cla- I have a pristine pair. I, I love me some vans. Jonathan, do you have, uh, do you have any vans in the collection? I do. You know, I used to I used to sell them when I was a little punk rock teenager. I had a little uh, I had a little deal with these guys that the Westies, uh, these kids I grew up with. They were BMX bike kids, and I was a skater. And they had a little franchise, you know, like sold them. You know, they had a deal with Vans, and and I was kind of like one of their little agents. So yeah, I had them all when I was you know 14 years old. I had the tropical orange ones. I had nice. of course the checkered ones. But you know, my favorites are just the classic skate 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 shoes. I have a pair of black, kind of just the black boaters. And these, right. these were, and these were the 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 official vans, not some like knockoff bootlegs. Oh no no no! Made, yeah, there, there wasn't even a knockoff. At that. This is we're talking about 1982, 83. There wasn't yeah. even a knockoff at that point, man. There wasn't even there wasn't even. This was the days when like the only skateboard was like the the the, the Santa Cruz Red Dot, maybe the Dwayne Peters, Steve Olson, their Santa Cruz, Pal Peralta, and vans. Yeah, those are those are names that I'm not, not familiar. I was not I was not a skater at all, Mister Not Coordinated at all. That that, that that's me. So, are right, we drive gonna a rate car. these guys or what? I, I want to know you guys how you guys rated these songs because I only got my own scores. I went, you know, I, I see how you got it set up. We got we all have a uh, your readers. I don't know if they know that we all have a spreadsheet where we kind of rated the songs one through tw- what is it nineteen one through nineteen one through nineteen. And that's so, right. So I only have my own scores, but uh, I was I'm curious like where 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 we see on these songs. Oh, we're we're all over the place, which is going to make for some really fun conversation. Maybe maybe we should just get into it. Let's uh, do it. Let's get into this because I will sidetrack you all night long, and I got some darts <laughs> to play down in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's let's jump into it. So here is the first track. This is Jackson Brown. This is somebody's baby. This would be the first single off of the soundtrack. Uh, of course, it's it, a uh, very popular song. You hear it a lot throughout the uh, throughout the, the the movie itself. Reached number seven on the Billboard Top 
100. Uh, this would actually be Jackson's last top 10 song, um, and it's his highest charting single of his career. Uh, it would spend 19 weeks on the charts. Uh, would be a little bit of a precursor to Jackson's uh, Lawyers in Love album. Came uh, fairly shortly after the soundtrack uh, was released. Because I know everybody's score, uh, you guys don't know that, but I know what everybody's score is. So let's let's chat about this. Jonathan, what do you think about this song? I, I think it's the best song on the record. I think I rated it number one. I got a weakness for Jackson Brown, even though he's a spouse abuser. Uh, just he's a great songwriter. I mean, he wrote the best Nico song, you know, these days when he was like 17. And I don't know, that movie also, it's place, it's, it's that, that song has such a big place in the movie, you know, it's all about like Stacy going out, isn't it? Like right before Stacy goes out with Don Johnson or what's his yeah. name? Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson. Yeah. Ron Johnson. Yeah. Working hard or hardly working. The guy that works at like the stereo lab and he's like 27 and he's just trying to get in her pants. I seem to remember that song being involved uh, maybe maybe before the dugout scene. You got to realize it's been 20 years since I saw this film, but yeah. I was a stoner when in 19 what is it 83, 82 or 84, 82, whenever this came out, and I 82. got stoned. I got stoned and saw that at the Old Mill Theater in Palo Alto like six times, seven times. Yeah, to where I memorized all the. Don't get me started. I memorized. I, I know all <laughs> the lines of the movie by heart. The lady will have the linguine with yeah. cold sauce and the coke with no ice. Dictates that you don't care whether she comes, stays, lays, or pressed. All that stuff. Hey, you see that car? The woman I gave Jefferson that car. I know that stuff. It's like ingrained into my brain. And, and it sounds like you really focus on the Damone uh, quotes. Absolutely. He's just such a sleazebag. I mean, it's like modern realism. He's just so <laughs> awesome. When he's selling the tickets, and he's like, the charisma of Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen. He's like, your mama's all right. Your daddy's all right. I mean, That's he's, right. he's awesome. He's just I want a, you to want me. <laughs> you know, he's such a sleazebag. So, Jonathan, that's your top score. So that's going to get 19 points. Wayne? Uh this is my second favorite song. I completely agree. I think Jackson, Jackson Brown, I'm surprised this is his highest rating, uh, his highest charting song with running on empty, loadout, stay. Um, I thought uh, These Days is under as an underappreciated song. Uh, Boulevard, The Pretender, he's just, he's made so many great songs. I, I, I And I like Lawyers in Love. I thought that was a, a great, uh, that was a good record. It was a good record, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but this it's funny as that scene. I I actually rewatched the movie. I had to it's funny as I don't I couldn't find any of them, but my my buddy has the ultimate DVD collection. So I I I I got with him and and rewatched it and I felt like it stood up. I remember it being a lot more like our high school and I remember this funny as we didn't none of us were old enough to go see it because I think it was rated R. But it when was. it came out on it came out on cable during the summer. Well, I was 14 and, and I saw it 6 times that summer at the Old Mill. I I can't. I'm I, if it was rated R, I don't know how I was getting in. Dude, I was I'm so stoned every time. Yeah, we would skate three miles down there. Me and my buddy Dave Ramberg, we would skate three miles. Just it was like a string of afternoons, just baked out of our minds to go see that movie. I mean, and did I was, you? I know I was only thir- I, 82. I'm 13 or 14. The summer you, I'm 13 in that summer. Did you look 17 though when you were 14? No, God no. I looked like nine. Yeah, Except that's, that, that I had like a little uh, Sid Vicious lock around my neck and some spiky hair and like a wasted youth t-shirt or something. But like, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was a baby face. They were probably just scared of you. I mean, if you come. Yeah, come okay. like no, that. I wasn't scared. <laughs> I wasn't scared. I was scared. I was scared of women. 
Well, I had yeah. like seventeen year old like seniors trying to like senior girls trying to get with me in high school, and I didn't know what to do with that. I had no idea. I, I was it was crazy because I was in a band and stuff. I had all this social currency. I didn't know. I didn't realize. You know. Oh, if we could relive our youths, right? <laughs> Not really. No, I don't really want to go back there. Um, all right. So my score, uh, I am uh, I'm matching Jonathan. So this is this is my favorite song off the record too. Uh, you know, we've, we, Wayne, you and I have talked about Stockholm syndrome a lot on our, uh, on the podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think maybe just because of how much placement this song has within the, the movie, maybe that's the reason why, I mean, I totally equate this particular song with this movie kind of similar to another Cameron Crowe, you know, movies, watch, watch, say anything. What's the first What's the first song that comes to mind? Your eyes. Exactly. Right? Isn't that where he's holding up the ghetto uh, ab- 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 Absolutely. Watch Jerry Maguire. What are you thinking? I don't remember that movie. Garden. Secret Garden. I, just, I don't remember that movie. Well, <laughs> remember it had the little short the guy Tom Cruise in it. And that's the reason. Okay. Why well, you we, don't have, we had a pretty good consensus on Jackson Brown. He's one or yeah. two for both of us. Yeah, I'm curious where you guys rate Waffle Stomp now. Oh, all right. Well, let's let's get to it. So here is uh, here's the second song. Here's Waffle Stomp by Joe Walsh. Just so you all know, this is not on Spotify. Um, all right, Wayne, t- take us away on this on this song. I like it. I mean, it's nonsensical. I don't think jo- Joe Walsh. I think I, there's something about him. He's not as stupid as he as he plays out. And uh, I just I don't know. I just like the song. I think he's a far more talented guitar player than Don Felder. I mean, I could recognize Don Felder anywhere. He plays the same the same thing no matter what song the eagles are playing i just like the way his song he has this it's nonsensical but if but it actually when you when you listen to it it makes sense it's a it's a fun song and i enjoyed it nonsensical is right because my note on it i just have a couple words first one is terrible and the second word (laughs) and and i rated it number six i rated it six which says something about the rest of the record actually but i say my note says terrible and then it says inane rhymes, which is what you're saying. Just totally yeah. nonsensical. Yeah. But you got a rhyming dictionary and a stocking stuffer or something. I I gave it a I gave it a four. Not one of my favorite songs on here. And and to to your point, Jonathan, about not wanting to hear certain songs again. Yeah, I don't really need to hear this song ever again. Um, and I had no idea if there was if waffle a waffle stomp was a thing did anyone google this well, i didn't they have to i remember my, my yeah my waffle stompers my my they were boots yeah they're big boots and you know like the the tread looked like a waffle or something you know okay, but i don't know well, what it has to do with this i'm never going to find out because i'm not going to listen to the song again i can't believe it's rated number six <laughs> and number four i mean you know what i mean that's just really it just does not speak well to this soundtrack 
All right. Well, then I'm go- I'm going to completely change your your view of what a waffle stomp is. So if you Google what is a waffle stomp, the first thing that comes up is Oh God! I um, hope you're not on Urban Dictionary. I am totally on Urban Dictionary. So waffle well, I hope stomp. It's not a sec- Waffle stomping is to defecate in the shower and then proceed to try and stomp it down the train with your foot. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, God. <laughs> You know, this is why I wake up every day, because I know I can learn one thing. There's knowledge is out there. There's one thing I can learn every day that's going to benefit my life. I know that. And you know what? It's going to make it so much more joyous next time I take a shit in the, you know, <laughs> in the, you know knowing what who, I'm doing. I'm who does that? Yeah. Who does that, yeah. though? Yeah, me at the Holiday Inn Express. No, not really. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a night of Guinness and pot pies. That's what I'm hearing. Oh man. All right. So, uh, that leads us to the third song. So this is Don Henley's love rules. You just pretend that you don't see her at all. You want to tell her how much you care. You want to call her, but you just don't dare. Love rules. with all the guys don't ever let them see the tears this is also not on spotify and you can't find this on youtube either and um i'm i'm actually scared to even put the sound clip in this podcast uh, because less than 30 seconds and they won't get i can't get oh, can't do anything I, about it I, in the context I, of a review yeah don is don is pretty vigilant about um you know yanking yanking songs off of uh off of whatever and and well, i gotta tell you because he sucks <laughs> yeah and well this song nothing special um and i yeah. believe i i believe this this was like a precursor to his first al- first solo album um that's i can't stand still that's the album that includes dirty laundry um, and, and like I said, if I wasn't afraid that Don would, would send us a cease and desist for using sound clips of his songs, I might suggest revisiting End of the Innocence or Building the Perfect Beast. I do kind of like both of those albums, um, but I, I, don't need to, I don't need to get a cease and desist letter from, from, from Don. Yeah, so I say, oh, I say bring it on. I'll give him some points to the lonely guitar sound and his kind of sexy voice in the song kind of get that sexy voice and the and, and the, the guitar sounds kind of it's okay but the, for me the song just never goes anywhere it just 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 never kind of gets off the ground so so i know what your score so go ahead tell tell, tell us what your score is on this I, I give it 10 so it's right smack in the middle pretty much there must be that many really if i mean if you're if you're doing a waffle stomp on uh, on don henley's uh, song right now that that just tells me that there are nine other songs that you really hate <laughs> yes there are truly uh so wayne what what's your score and i gave it a similar score i gave it a 12 i do, i like don henley's voice um i do i have i have listened i've watched the you know some a couple of the, the eagles documentaries he doesn't sound like he's a super nice guy but he's uh a dude. And, and you know and he's too serious because this should have been called Love Rules in parentheses Rats theme. And he never would have allowed that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so is that is this used during one of the rat scenes? 
Um, this is, you know, it's funny as I wrote all down the places where the songs come up and uh, yeah. it's just, if you listen to the words of the song, I know that may have been uh, difficult, but he, uh, it's ta- it's from that point of view, you know, that okay. I'm scared to talk to girls and they're never going to like me and the whole nine yards. Oh, it's Ratner. Mark Ratner. Yeah, Ratner. Ratner. Yeah. So did I ever tell you this? I got to tell you one quick aside, you guys. I All had right. this syndicated, I had this syndicated uh, comedy show back in the late 90s, early 2000s called Chicken That's Stirred. And it was kind of like the National Lampoon Radio Hour meets like the Goon Show. But like, so when we started to get some affiliates to the show, we, we did it at my friend's recording studio. And we got a, you know, we, we were at a, a station in Chicago and LA and we started to get, and we would write fake fan letters to those stations and have our friends, we would send the fake fan letters to our friends that lived in those cities so that they would have a postmark from the city. And, <laughs> and we used, you know what, we used the cast of Fast Times as the names of the people in the letter. So like the, the, the fan letters were from like Brad Hamilton, Mark Ratner, Mike Damone, not Spicoli because it was too obvious. Right. But nobody really, you know, Mark Ratner didn't jump out at you. Brad Hamilton, uh, Stacy, I forgot what Stacy, oh, oh, it was Stacy Hamilton. Yeah. And then uh, what was Phoebe Cates' name? Linda. Uh, I don't know. Linda, that's all I know. <laughs> anyway, well, we knew her name from like the cast list, even if it's never mentioned in the name. So I just had to say that we used to, just for whatever reason we we also did. Yeah, never mind. Go on. We we <laughs> only know we only know Phoebe Cates from she's the red bikini girl. Yeah. 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 Um, she she wound up in many a spank bank. Oh yes. yeah. Yes, yes, she's she, not just on this podcast, including Brad's. Uh, yes, including Brad's. Yeah, uh, I, when, when Wayne told me he was re watching uh, Fast Times, I was like, Did you make sure that the blinds were down? Um, <laughs> and, and and you know what, and you'll know what's what's conspicuously absent from this soundtrack the cars move, but the cars, yeah. Did that movie just completely? I, I wouldn't say ruined that song per se, but it was every time I would hear moving in stereo, I immediately think of Phoebe Cates. Yeah, you're reaching yeah, for the election. It's like Pavlov's dog, you get a Woody. <laughs> you, you're reaching for the Jurgens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Uptown Boys, we got to move on, man. So yeah, yeah. don't even deserve all the time we're giving them. Uptown Boys, I got terrible... Vaguely catchy, but really, did it need to be written? That was my uh, note. Yeah, and I, so so what what score are you giving it? I gave it 16. I may score this all differently. I know the same four good songs on the record would be the same, but I may score, you know, like five through 19 might be uh, different if I did it again. Actually, you gave it you gave it a two. 16 is your next one. All right, so here is Louise Goff, and this is Uptown Boys. Anyone think that she kind of sounds like Carol King? 
Well, I would hope so. Uh, yeah, that's Carol King's kid. So that's uh, uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Uh, and at the age of how old was she when she was on the soundtrack? Like 14 or 16? Like 14 or something like I that. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's actually still making music. I guess she's also a fellow podcaster. She's, uh, she's got a podcast called Great Song Adventure. She's had Chrissy Hind on a few episodes, um, which I can go down a complete wormhole w- with my love of Chrissy Hind. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, so this, this is also not, not on Spotify, and I'm going to give you guys a warning. If you are going to go try and, and find this on YouTube, the song that they added to the video on, on YouTube is actually some Jesus song. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but total bait and switch. And and it really just made me laugh because this this is the song that you do a bait and switch for a Christian song. Yeah, not a, it's a waste of time. I, yeah, yeah. I it reminded me of her voice reminded me of like Carlin Carter or, and I couldn't and uh, Maria McKee from uh, Lone Justice. So I ended oh, okay. up going off on a tangent and listening to uh, some ways to be wicked and instead but uh she i hear she does a version of sweetest thing and she even got bono to do background vocals really okay now i gotta go check that one yeah see now i'm lost because i see that my my something got tweaked with my uh thing because i'm looking down here at goodbye goodbye oingo boingo and that's my number two for me that's the second best record we're not there yet i realize but i've got it for i've got it as 18 on my thing something got tweaked. Oh, I, 18 no, is, that's 18 it gets 18 points yeah so oh, that's 18 higher, points, right. Okay, okay. The higher the okay. points, the more... Uh, yeah, the higher the points, the oh, better. Oh, right, I was looking... All oh, right, okay. Yeah, so you so you gave you gave Louise uh, a two, so that was your second to least favorite song on the album. Okay, so that now my notes make sense. All right. <laughs> I'm still bad because I love Carol King. I, oh, I love Carol too, but I just don't love this song. I This is my least favorite song on the record. It just didn't fit with with the rest maybe if i listen to it completely separate and not with all this you know uh early 80s rock maybe i would give it a little bit higher but no nah, i don't do think it. you would man we both gave it a stinker yeah i gave it a one wayne what what was your final score in this i gave it a nine but like everything like in a big chunk could have been this i mean towards the bottom could have been all because all of that this is a weird time in music like that whole laurel canyon alt country rock you know fleetwood mac the eagles and all those things it was ending and yet i the and and like new wave socal new wave was starting with like sparks and the plimsolls and the go-go's and stuff and so this was just a weird time and i i agree that this this song doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't fall into either one of those categories, which almost everything else does. Well, that kind of leads us up to the next song. So this is Timothy B. Schmidt's uh, remake of So Much in Love. And this is one that um, I would say also doesn't quite fit, but uh, give, give a listen. Here we go. Holding hands, walking Stars twinkling high. 
you remember, um, this was made popular by the band The Times. This was like a number one song back in 63, I think, it, think that was. Um, and it's been covered by a ton of different people. This was sung by the Eagle, Eagles member. Are you catching a theme here? This is the third Eagles a member that's uh, that's on this soundtrack. Yeah. 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 Um, and that this goes back to my comment about Irving Azov because I think he was their manager at that time. So not he only was their was manager, yeah. yeah, he was their manager yeah. for the whole time. And not and the songs that aren't sung by Eagles almost sound like they were written by or for the Eagles. It was there was a he had a huge influence on this. Well, yeah, well, no and, wonder it's so bad. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I like I, me a little he, Glenn Fry, a little more twitch than Twang Countrified Eagles is more my more my thing than the rest of it. And he's the only eagle that's not on here. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He was too busy doing uh uh Miami Vice and Smuggler's Blues at this point, I think. Yeah, well, you know, eating fried eggs off a hooker's chest or something. Or or that. <laughs> doing some doing a bunch of rails. He is not a smart individual, Glenn Fry. I don't know. It's like a toss-up between him and Eric Burden, like who is more brain dead. I mean, it's really pretty, pretty alarming to hear either of those musical geniuses in a um, interview situation. Because yeah. I love, I love me some Eric Burden. He was like the most working class of the whole British invasion. But man, he is not a deep thinker. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's let's go through score. So Jonathan, uh, even though you kind of you kind of uh, did a waffle stomp on Timothy here. What, what's, uh, what's your, uh, what's your I score? I think I like this one, right? I'm, I'm all You did like this one. Point. But my note was that I'm always a sucker for those, uh, you know, kind of late 50s, early 60s harmonies. I like the vocal, the vocal thing. And, and I like this, you know, just like you mentioned the cards earlier, all about those late 50s, early 60s chord progressions. So I kind of like this song. I liked it. But, you know, yeah. this is also relative. We're dealing with a real steaming pile of, uh, you know, dung with this 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 record. So, you know, it's it's still kind of relative. But, you know, in context of the other stuff, I liked it. All right. So so Jonathan gives this a 16. I give this an 8. Wayne, what's your score? Uh, I give it a 1. I hate everything about Timothy Schmidt. <laughs> I hate his voice. I hate his face. I hate the name of his old band. He sang the only Eagle song I would say I don't know that I like. And he even took a song that's been taken to the top 10 like five times, and he still destroyed it. He's a, he's he's the worst. I, 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 I even tried to put this as my third least favorite song. He literally beat out Donna Summer's rock and roll venture. It was terrible. I hated it. I hated every bit of it. I'll never listen to it again. Awesome. I was good. I love was, your passion, buddy. Uh, you know what, uh, Wayne? I can't tell you why I like this higher than you. <laughs> You're a douche. <laughs> oh, did you see what I just did? I uh, saw what you did there. All right, uh, that leads us to number six. This is the Ravens with "Raised on Radio."
And this is not to be confused with the Journey song and album raised on radio. So this is uh, Rob Fahey's band from, uh, I guess he was from like the Baltimore area. Totally early 80s feel. Really feels like a Tommy Two-Tone or a Greg Kinn song. Um, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm giving this a pretty high score. Uh, I'm giving this a 17. This is this is my third favorite song on the on the record. Yeah, I gave it a 13. I like. I mean, a it's pretty big in the movie. I remember it from the movie. A lot of these songs I didn't even remember. You know, when I went back through, but like I remember raised on the radio. I feel like the chorus saves the song because otherwise it's kind of milk toast. Yeah. You know the composition, but it's a great chorus. I'm pretty sure that's all we hear in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, the chorus. Movie, that's all I remember. Yeah. So, like, in the context of the movie, it's clearly one of the better songs, too, I felt like. Chorus is strong yeah. on this, yeah. Yeah, and like I say, I, I want to wash a big old car whenever I hear this song play. It's, this was perfectly placed. Oh, that's um, when it is? It's when Brad's yeah, washing his car? When Brad's washing the cruising vessel. Okay. It's a oh, there you go. Um, all right, so I think we, we all kind of like this song, uh, which leads us to next song. It's It's listed under the soundtrack as Gerard McMahon. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, and this is Look In Your Eyes. When I tell you when I'm sure as I wake up in the the 80s ballads don't we love them doesn't this feel like a jafria song you guys remember jafria i do not like a i don't I, judge on my score i don't even want to i don't even remember this song i just got my notes it reminds <laughs> me remember. of uh, what was that guy who sang pina colada the escape song rupert holmes uh, yeah rupert holmes he also did him 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 what yep. you gotta do about him it's a great song head. That's a great song. Uh, Come on, this, this that's dude. That's, that reminds me. Okay, I used to listen to Casey Kasem's American Top 40. I was really depressed. My sister died in a car accident. My dad left. My family was falling apart, and my mom remarried a real asshole. And 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 I, that whole summer when that came out, when 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 the, this when, when the yacht rock was at it, it must have been the summer of like '79 or something. When yacht 79. rock was at its absolute apex. And I remember those Rupert Holden songs. I remember all these. Yeah, a rock song we're talking about. And I would lay in my bottom of my bunk bed, and nobody slept on the top because all the other kids were out of the house or dead. And uh, I would sit and I would listen to Casey Kasem, man. And I would I would wipe my boogers on the side of my wife. I would just sit there and pick my nose and listen for three hours. And I would wipe my boogers on this white, uh, the side of this white bookcase I had. And still, like after like the whole summer, it was like a it was like a relief map of the Himalayas. There was just like, you know, I mean, it was this contour of boogers. And the first, my stepdad, like, humiliated me about it. I was depressed, dude. I was, like, clinically depressed before I found punk rock. And uh, my stepdad made me, like, like empty all the books off it, tear the bookshelf out onto the patio, and orbital sand all my boogers off. And he just fucking chewed me out. Sorry. 
This well, is a pretty uplifting story, right? Well, this has Perhaps been a twelve-year-old yeah, white boogers in a bookcase listening. Yeah, and this I, week, I think moving all the way up to number seven this week, this British duo, Lovington Casey. Yeah. I have right. similar stories. I just wasn't. I didn't even think of the booger thing, but I remember laying in my bed late at night listening to Casey Kasem on the on the radio, real down low, so no one could hear. Wow, <laughs> this this really went completely off the rails. <laughs> Sorry, right. buddy. I love I it. I already had a shot at tequila, man. I mean, what do you expect? I have, it's I Friday, have two men on the moon. Thursday night, man. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Um, does anyone recognize like the high background vocals on this song? No. Did you th- did Gerard McMahon or are we on the go-go? Yeah, we're still no, we're still on Gerard McMahon. So I didn't. So so listen to it again. It's kind of sounds like the theme song from The Lost Boys because it is. That's Gerard McMahon spelled differently on on the The Lost Boys. Uh, soundtrack. So he is responsible for Cry Little Sister. Par- apparently nobody gives a crap about the Lost Boys. All yeah, right. Let's let's go uh, to scoring then. Uh, Jonathan. Uh, uh, I gave it uh, I gave it nine. So somewhere in the middle. Okay. Right. Yeah. I gave it a seven. It's in that block of, of stuff that could have been cut out and 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 the re- improve the record if cut some of that stuff out, cut the fat off. Yeah, this I, record is just a vast middle ground of mediocrity mostly. I'm I'm a sucker for the '80s uh, the '80s ballad, so I gave it a 13. So um, yeah, I'm sorry about that, Doug. Yeah, it's, it's, it's America. I, I guess. still like it. I still like it, but only because I'm your favorite living writer. Otherwise, all right, all right. <laughs> All right, so so let's move on. Uh, here is the go-go speeding. And you can find this on their 1994 compilation album, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. Uh, this is a little bit disappointing song for me. I think it, I, I feel like it lacks emotion and I'm, and I'm glad that this song is only two minutes long. It, it d- Does it seem like a little bit of a throwback though to like Belinda Carlisle's roots? You guys know that she was, she was the, the, like the original drummer for the germs. I don't think she recorded anything with the germs, but she was like the original drummer. I heard in something that she was actually thrown out of a a backstage Ozzy Osbourne party by Ozzy. Like she can get drunk and crazy. Interesting. I, I love the Go-Go's. Beauty and the Beast oh, is I, among the most underrated album of the 80s. That album is amazing. That album is so good. This is not their best song, but I rated it. I gave it 17. I, I, I think anything the Go-Go's do is pretty awesome. Well, and and we got the beat was actually used in this movie as well. It yes, just didn't make it on right. the sound. Just didn't make in it in a much more memorable way too. Like, isn't it like the beginning of the movie? I think like it's in the, the mall beginning. Or it's like 
open i thought is it the yeah i think it might be the very beginning of the movie is it open still doing opening credits when it when it comes on they're in the gallery. right i think so too and then like the ending is the oingo boingo song yeah yep all right, so let's get scores. I gave this a 10 because the only part that I really like is when Jane Whelan, uh, you know, does the win imaginary race. Yeah, that's I gave it a 13. Cool. I love the Go-Go's. I love uh, that post-punk uh, SoCal new wave stuff that came out. And I'm surprised at you because I know you had a hard on for Belinda Carlisle. So I, I, not, I not, can't believe not, you dissed her like that. Not really. Don't not. Don't not me. No, not really. Pat Benatar was my girl during that time frame. No, no, no. This oh. is later when she's mad about you. I was, you know what? I was there. Mm. You, can, you can tell that story all day long. I've obviously repressed that part of my childhood. All right. Here is, uh, here's the number nine song. So this is Quarter Flash, Don't Be Lonely. This is the part of this is the part of the podcast where you guys are going to make fun of me mercilessly. So um, I've always liked Quarter Flash, um, and I think it's because you've got that dirty sax that's on most of their songs. This one doesn't really have the dirty sax. That's that's you got to go to Harden My Heart or find another fool. That's the dirty sax. So I gave this an eighteen. I like I said. I, <laughs> I don't see that coming. I don't even know if I want to be your favorite living writer. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, like I said, I've I just have this 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 uh this, this little soft spot in my heart for quarter flash. Yeah, and maybe it's because they were they were northwest um before you know there was really a whole lot of, of northwest bands. They're from Portland. Um, and I, and I kind of, maybe I, maybe I just feel bad for them because I remember one winter break, I, I came to Portland. My, my sister was living in Portland and I remember getting driven to the airport and on the Shiloh Inn, this was probably 94, 95, uh, the Shiloh Inn right, right there by the airport had New Year's Eve party featuring quarter flash. And that's, that's maybe I just feel bad for them because they had fallen so hard that they were headlining a new year's Eve party at the Shiloh Inn. What's, I, what's, I, what's everybody else? You don't need to be embarrassed, dude. We all have our little, we all have our little dirty secrets. We all have our little uh, sentimental favorites. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you, Ben. I'm not going to judge you, you. You, you already did. Oh, sorry. And I've spent, I've spent, <laughs> I'm not going to judge you anymore. Life changing. Yeah. Wayne Wayne will not say that because I've, I've spent most of my life judging you, so yes, I don't you, I don't want to stop now. You live uh, to judge me. This is not careless whisper, dirty sax. This is just I can say I will say Quarter Flash did do the theme song to one of my guilty pleasure movies, uh, Night Shift. Night Shift, Ron, first Ron Howard movie. Yes. Uh, other than that, I don't have a lot. 
of good things to say. I gave them an eight because, like I say, they fall into this pack where they there was probably, I mean, there's 19 songs on this. It could have been an 11 song soundtrack and maybe have pulled it from Steaming Pile. You know how I'm kind of starting to visualize this soundtrack the more we talk about it because we got all this middle ground stuff? I'm kind of visualizing it as a map. And there's like some a few good songs on the East Coast, and there's a few good songs on the West Coast, but pretty much the album is just a bunch of flyover states. Does that make sense? <laughs> Iowa. No. A lot of no. Iowa's. No, that's, that, that actually is perfect sense. And, and speaking of flyovers, here's Don Felder with Never Surrender. Anybody want to go there? Who who wants to talk about the? This guy is terrible. I mean, I, he was actually. I saw something. I think Glenn Fry called, told his manager he was the biggest asshole in the Eagles, and that's no easy feat. And uh, <laughs> you know, the guy has. I mean, he he can play this one style of guitar, and it and it, I guess it works in the stream of the Eagles, but let it go. And it, and he's a terrible singer, and he's an he's an uninspired lyricist. If he wrote the song, you, and I, I gave it a six, but I don't know. I feel I feel like that. If I I needed I needed more ones. Yeah, my, yeah, my I was a five. Oh, sorry, you go. No, I would go go ahead. Fin, finish your finish your comment. I was a five. I, I've got one note, and it just says some basic schlock. And it says some basic suck ass '80s schlock. <laughs> was my note. All right, so we're we're right in line. I gave it a seven, so we're seven six five. My notes here is it's hard to believe that I'm going to say this, but Joe Walsh is a better vocalist than Don Felder and guitarist and lyricist. Yeah, Don Felder just knows how to be in the Eagles. That's all he can do. At least Joe Walsh gave us life's been good to me so far. Absolutely, know? yeah. And yeah. funk number forty nine, and and uh, yeah, he he's got a little bit more to. More to his name than if Don Felder had never gotten asked to join the Eagles, he he'd still he's I don't know where he's from, but he'd still be there. Yeah, and the synth in the background of this song, oh my gosh, I want to kill myself. Um, so it that that definitely could have found its way onto the Miami by soundtrack, which um, you know Glenn Fry at this point was probably busy contributing to. Um, so, which is why he's not on this album. Next song, here we go. We've got Billy Squire. Speaking of '80s rockers, here we go. There's this is Billy Squire. Fast times, the best years of our lives. So 
Who wants to go on uh, Billy? Anyone? I will. I, I'll start by saying that I have a real soft spot for uh, Billy Squire because I love I loved that album, The Stroke. And the, the other one before it was pretty good. It's very, it's like kind of classic early 80s rock. It reminds me when I was in like Little League All-Stars and I had to stay a few weeks in Aberdeen for the state tournament. And that record was really big this year. Um, as much as I like his voice, this just sounds like a bad Jake Giles song to me. That's 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 actually a really good comparison. Uh, and I like Jay Giles band too. I mean, I like Freeze Frame. I like, you know, I like Jay Giles' good band, but I'm just saying they had some stinkers too. And this sounds like a Jay Giles stinker, even more than it sounds like a Billy Squire stinker. Yeah. Has anybody in the rap community sampled this particular song? Because I know Billy Squire is super popular with the rap community. They sample the crap out of his songs, which I think is the reason why Billy we don't hear from Billy. I mean, he's probably making bank off of all, just all the Eminem songs that have been sampled. And, and we won't even go there for the video for rock me tonight. Cause I mean, that ruined his career. So um, we could, we could probably have a whole podcast just on rock me tonight. Uh, all right, let's, let's get some scores. I did kind of like this song uh, and maybe it's because to like, to your point, Jonathan, it reminds me of that stroke album. Um, so I gave this a uh, 16, Wayne. I gave it a 15. I do like Billy Squire. Like you said, I, 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 I think the rock me tonight video did hurt him. Um, not for, not because of the pink tank top and the white pants, but more cause it was just silly. And Billy Squire actually had cred. He was, he was, he was right. I mean, he wasn't hair metal. He wasn't going with the, whatever the times were. He was actually writing really good songs. And like I say, the big beat has been sampled more than anything in the history of, Ton. music and this and it didn't help a friend that he took Def Leppard uh out when they're after pyromania to be his opening act that's that can't help you at that time not in 83 no. that would have hurt you so yeah um, but I like I've always liked Billy Squire and like I say this isn't this isn't by any stretch his one of his greater songs but uh he's underappreciated also I think for for the time yeah it's a throwaway song um but Jonathan your score uh, do you, I'm, I'm, my computer crashed. I'm opening it again. Um, I'm, so I'll tell you. I'll, here, let me whisper it to oh. you. It was 11. Okay, 11, yeah. Middle of the pack. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. I gave my props to Billy Squire in my notes. Like, I liked him, but this, this song is pretty middling. All right. Uh, moving on, here is the 12th song. This is uh, also a Fast Times at Ridgemont High song. This is Sammy Hagar. So this is, I'll, I'll just start this off. This is one of my more favorite songs and probably just because it, this really reminds me of early eighties. I mean, uh, uh, I really dug a couple, couple albums by, by Sammy standing Hampton. 
such such a such a great album um uh wayne how about how about you uh what, what, what you this, this this song seems kind of juvenile i mean he did have some i i this isn't one of my more favorite Sammy Hagar songs. Stanley Hampton is probably my favorite Sammy Hagar. Uh, I'd have to still call it a cassette tape because that's probably the only thing I ever listened to it on. But I, I wore yeah. that thing out. And uh, but he definitely has like a juvenile side that that uh, the Van Halen brothers seem to be able to get people to write their best stuff somehow. Because David Lee Roth stuff without them is is juvenile isn't being nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and. Do, do do we even want to go down that 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 road of asking the question? No, of, let's not. I mean, okay. it's not even worth our discussion. It really isn't, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but y- you know, we could oh, go you... down the road. We could talk about Van Halen and we could compare Diver Down to. 1984 or something like that. But like, we we don't need to broach the Sammy Hagar and the fans. So, <laughs> how so about we... in this movie they bought uh, that kid comes to scalp uh, comes to get Van Halen tickets for uh, 25 bucks for the first ten inside the first 10 rows. When 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 was that ever possible? Yeah, was uh, that was it Jefferson who bought those tickets? That was just before he came up. The two kids came up to him uh, trying to get Van Halen tickets. He sold them. First ten rows for twenty five dollars. That's when Jefferson came up looking for some uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets for him and his oh, little brother. Oh, you came in right. I was thinking, what was Jefferson doing going to Van Halen? Didn't seem like his bag. Uh, yeah. He was looking for Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's it. Yep, 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 yep. All right, let's get scores. I, like I said, I gave it a fourteen. Wayne, ten. And uh, I think I gave it a twelve. Right? Is that right? I gave it a twelve. You gave it a twelve, yep. And uh, my note was that I gotta get, I gotta give it up for Sam Hager. He owns it at least, you know. Even when he's trying to replace, you know, David Lee Roth, the guy owns it. You know, I give, I give, oh, I give Sammy Hager something for his, for his brass balls or whatever. But I just don't, I don't, I don't really care for the song. He yeah. definitely seems like a genuine person. He not, doesn't seem like he really cares. Like whether they kick him out of Van Halen, he's he'll go, he'll go down and drink tequila at Cabo Wabo. He's he's good. Yeah, he's good. All right, uh, here's number 13. This is, I don't know, this is Spicoli's theme, and this is Jimmy Buffett. Let me just start. I tend to hate everything from Jimmy Buffett. And Thank the fact, you. And the fact that oh this is God. Spicoli's theme makes me sad for Spicoli. <laughs> because I said of, something similar too. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the synth song sounds in the middle of the song, doesn't that sound like farts? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sorry to really like like you know go back to my inner Beavis on on, on these kind of comments, but. I couldn't get past that it sounded like a fart. Okay. This whole song smells like a fart, man. I hate Jimmy Buffett. I hate him. I don't know. Spicoli would hate this song. I don't know how it became Spicoli's theme. I don't know. I mean, this one just doesn't even, this is such a disconnect here. Like, how did Jimmy Buffett write Spicoli's theme? It doesn't even make sense. 
Yeah. Uh, the, I find it hard to believe that he did. in Paradise makes me want to uh, kill myself. I literally yeah. don't. I, I listen to Cheeseburger in Parasite, Paradise, and I like. I can't. I can't. I I can't even deal. Was that Freudian? But I will give him Margaritaville. Margaritaville's kind of genius because any song where a guy busts out his flip flops, stepping on a, you know, stepping on a bottle okay. cap in a parking lot in a Mexican restaurant in the middle of the, the hot day. I like that. That's like that's that's like that's something I would write about. I like that. Was that Freudian when you said cheeseburger and parasite? No, I think I just had a bite of pot pie in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so so this is Jonathan's lowest score. I gave this a three. Wayne, I gave it eleven. It's in that pack. I guess I gave it a little bit of of, of points because it's it's not the music could have been written for Sparks or as any other new wave band. It doesn't. I don't think Jimmy Buffett wrote the song, but clearly it was written for the movie. I think he just sang it. And like I say, that middle of the pack, it's it's right, it's right in there. It's no he's no Timothy B. Schmidt. That's that's all I'll say for him. <laughs> he's no Timothy B. Schmidt. I think we actually I, I mean, I, I don't know that we need to, but I think Wayne actually deserves to be harangued a little bit with giving it an eleven. Because <laughs> yeah. um yeah, you want to give me you crap know. about Jimmy Quarter Buffett's Flash? Second, Come on. Jimmy Buffett's second best song ever isn't even 11. You know, Margaritaville, if it's in this movie, <laughs> it's probably number three. But, like, Jimmy Buffett's second best song, whatever that may be, isn't even an 11. Jimmy Buffett sucks. And he writes novels, too. And you know what? His novels, they suck also, even worse. Uh, or as bad. I imagine so. I will, I will never pick one of those up. Yeah, ever. I can't see that happening. No. All right. How did he uh, become so like like why? How does he have a cult following? I just don't get it. You know, and wow, I. You know what? It's the tequila and the margaritas. People. Who are these parrothead people? It's like music oh, for people you want to know don't what? Like you, know music. Who, you know who? Who's the one who? I, I I can't remember why I watched this. I saw this. The, the guy who coined the phrase parrothead, Timothy B. Schmidt. I'm are not making kidding? that oh, up. God. I'm not making uh, that up. Um, Wherever there is mediocrity, there is Timothy B. Schmidt. That's right. He's like, he's like, smoke the fire. Uh, Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, Moving on. Here is Love is the Reason by Graham Nash. Don't you know you've got nothing to score jonathan why 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 are you giving this a little bit of a pass um well because glenn nash is a great songwriter okay i Uh, I mean i i kind of i guess you know i'm not even remembering the song but my note is of course great songwriter but i guess i'm giving a little bit of a lifetime achievement award i mean i'll trust you if the song kind of sucks i just listened to it the one time but um he wrote a lot of good songs, so I guess I, get, I kind of grandfathered him in a little bit. Yeah, listen again and see if you give it a 15. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> just I don't think I will. I just listened to, to a good Graham Nash record. 
There we and go. That's what I did. I, I gave it originally. I had it higher, and I because it sounds like an Eagles song. Like they, they're he's complete. I don't know who wrote it. I'm not going to say he did because Graham Nash was in. Wasn't he in Buffalo Springfield? He's in Cosby yeah. Stills Nash and Young. And I actually took points away from him because I like Graham. I I expect better from you, dude. You you totally stole my line for this. My note says this sounds like an Eagles song. Oh, so, no, I can. Eagles are I, all over this. The yeah. Eagles are all over this soundtrack, like Linda Ronstadt's all over the FM soundtrack. Like, what is yeah. the deal with that? Nobody's got two songs on that soundtrack, but Linda Ronstadt's all over the place on FM. It, so, so was Graham Nash, was he, was he being managed by Irving Azoff as well? Like, this just doesn't fit with the rest of the stuff when and Wayne you just saw the the movie is is it prominently in the movie or is this kind of like a just a background song it's not prominent I try to find my uh see if I can see my note on uh where it shows up but it isn't it isn't one of the prominent songs there's a lot of stuff that just plays in the background like yeah. only for and some of it only for a few a few seconds all right moving on this is Poco this is I'll leave it up to you Um, he, he, I'm going to tell you the reason why I gave it a higher score. So I gave this an 11, still middle of the pack, but I gave it, a, I gave it a higher score because that opening guitar riff, I wanted to sing Josie's on a vacation far away, come around and talk it over. I, it totally sounds like an outfield song to me. Um, and, and, you know, you guys were talking about Timothy B. Schmidt, you guys, you guys know what, band he was in prior to joining the eagles yeah poco Poco? yeah it was poco terrible name a terrible name for a band worst name ever yeah Yeah. no i was calling him paco for 40 years so (laughs) well i always get poco and lobo confused you know the the dog named boo i always seem to get those two mixed up um all right doesn't sound like any of us really want to talk about this song. So I'm giving an 11. Wayne, I, your score. Oh, I gave it a four because they used to be in a band with Timothy B. Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a three. And my note is yeah, completely vapid and, you know, pretty much generic 80s. Yeah. Schlock. Okay. So we're not we're not going to even give this any more uh more of our time all right moving on here is the queen of disco this is donna summer with highway runner
And, and I said Queen of Disco. Uh, she's definitely trying to change her sound for this. Um, this actually was was a track that was on an album that Donna tried to do in the early 80s, but the label shelved it. And I guess they also didn't like Donna's new sound. Um, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but like she went into kind of a pissing match with casablanca records because she tried to change her sound and they wanted to keep her down being the disco queen even though disco in 1980 was dying um so i think that this is placement from it wasn't this uh wasn't this a geffen record there's no way it's not david geffen's not involved in this right that's that's the only thing i can think of is that there was some serious placement of trying to get her on on this particular album so um and i i did i do give it a little bit higher score than you guys um so i gave it a nine just because i i like the fact that she was kind of you know doing something a little bit different um oh, man but it's still middle of the pack it's still middle of the pack um, so yeah, I, you, you're overthinking this one buddy this is a oh i probably i probably am i probably am I, yeah. I have, is the synthesizer uh, ever aged less well? I mean, the synthesizer in the song is terrible. The song is way too long, and it just washes over you like a detergent commercial. It's just so unmemorable. It's just it is just the the essence of mediocrity. And you know, Donna Summers was a it was a you know quite a talent, but this this is just oh lord, it's not yeah. good. I think I gave it a four. You did. Yep. And I, I gave it a two. I, I gave it a two. I had it as my my stink mom of the but timothy b schmidt can't be outdone and it just does like i say you're i agree dude you better hope timothy b schmidt's not on twitter man that guy's gonna uh, be trolling uh, you so hard anytime bring it on timothy schmidt Uh, is coming after you man he's gonna tell how to play the i don't even know how to play the bass and i will learn and battle him uh he's gonna tell donna summer donna summer had a great voice and, and it's completely not used correctly here it doesn't it it's yeah i it's uninspired and unremarkable and it shouldn't have been done he he's and that synthesizer sucks yeah he's gonna tell don henley and we're gonna get a cease and desist order right, bring it on um all right here is uh the next song this is number 17 this is uh stevie nicks sleeping angel me to say because uh i i do like stevie nicks but this is not this is not a super strong song by her in fact i hear a lot of silver spurs in this song and that's one springs silver springs did i say silver spurs oh my gosh yes you did that that's the name of a that's the name of an arena down here in orlando Uh, man um 
I'm I'm running off of five and a half hours of sleep because of the Dropkick Murphys uh, show <laughs> last night. That's um, a good that's average. You're good to yeah. me, man. I never that's, get that much sleep. That's a good night. And that's yeah. and I got and three th- kids and I'm manic. <laughs> so so uh, this comes off of this was a throwaway song for her first solo album, Belladonna. I did look at the timeline of when this album came out, and uh, this again would have been would have been during that time frame. Yeah, it's it's middle of the pack. It's pretty not memorable for me. I gave this a six. I gave it a three. She this highlights how much she needs Lindsey Buckingham or Tom Petty or even Mick Fleetwood to make her to to bring her talent out. Yeah, I mean to to that point the best songs on Belladonna are the ones that she did with Tom Petty and Don and Don Henley. I totally agree with you. I I will say though just because again I am a little bit of a Stevie Nicks fan, the the Wild Heart album that came out after Belladonna, that's actually a good album and I think that she finally learned how to write um by herself, but there, there's still a lot of lot of help on that. I mean, Mike Campbell is all over that record. Um, Tom Petty contributed a little bit as well. So, um, yeah, she needs a little help from her friends, definitely for for writing. So, um, all right, Jonathan, what what do you got for a score? Um, massive suckage. I don't know. It was pretty quick. What is my? Do you have my spreadsheet there? What does it say? I, I do. I got a seven for you. Yeah, I didn't think it was good. And I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, even a good judge of Stevie Nicks because I'm not. I've got four or five Fleetwood Mac albums, but even Rumors, that's a record I want to just, like, throw up in the air and shoot with my BB gun. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, dig them. Amen, them. brother. I know. Uh, I just don't dig them. I don't get it. It's one of those things. There's certain bands that, that like, you know, I just, I, for whatever reason, I have I have friends I respect that love them, but I just, I just don't. I'm just not a big Fleetwood Mac fan, man. Yeah, will you still love me in the morning if I tell you that Rumors is my favorite album? I still think I he's still saying that you. just to make me I mad. I probably got four Goodwill copies for you, too. Jesus, that record is just ubiquitous. But it's just, I mean, it's not a bad record. It's a great record. It was the biggest selling record before Thriller, right? I mean, it's a, yeah. But, and maybe that's part of it. It just got overplayed in the 70s. I had older brothers and sisters. So when that record was huge, I had teenage brothers and sisters listening to it. And so, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, a lot of my, not liking them probably has to do with like just not liking Johnny Bench because everybody liked him, you know. Well, I'll take I'll take the vinyl off of your hands. I don't have it on vinyl, so I'll take it off your hands. Don't. I'm no. sure I've got multiple copies. I actually <laughs> threw one out in the woods about seven months ago. So I had to so make when room, you... man, you got I've got like 25 peach crates full of records in my, you know, and at some point the stuff I just don't, I'm not going to listen to. There's records you feel like you got to have. But then you're yeah. like, dude, I just need the room. I can't make the footprint of the records any bigger. Or I'm gonna have to get rid of the bumper pool table. You know? All right. So, well, uh, well, 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 don't don't BB gun the next one, okay? I'll take it off your hands. I'll okay. put well, it. Well, you to could g- just save yourself the trouble and go down to Goodwill. You'll find it for 99 cents. Well, true, true. Uh, I can't remember the last time I went to a Goodwill though. Sorry, kind of kind of hoity like that, I guess. <laughs> uh, rumors yeah. and won't go to Goodwill. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know yeah. what's happening. Well, there's there's probably a lot of therapy that needs to happen. So, um, all right, uh, here's the second and last song. This is "She's My Baby" and she's out of control. This is Palmer and is it is it Jost? Jost? I think or it's Jost. Jost. I don't know. Jost? Jost? I don't know. 
So this is Dave Palmer and Phil Jost, however you say that. Uh, Dave Palmer was actually a vocalist for the first two Steely Dan albums. He later would work with Carol King. Um, I couldn't find any info on Jost. So uh, anyone, anyone feel like this song is like the Nails? You guys know the Nails? 88 lines about 44 women? I didn't yeah, get that. I don't remember it. Never I heard of it? But okay. I didn't get. All right. All I saw on on Jost was that he was a he was a engineer. He was a recording engineer. Um, gotcha. Okay. Uh, but this sounds definitely much more like uh, like Sparks to me. Something you would have heard from them. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. that. Yeah, I don't know Palmer and Jost. I'm familiar with Rosie Palmer. Very familiar. Um, <laughs> she's well, my baby. My I know her. Is... <laughs> uh, how about the stranger? Um, uh, <laughs> I said at least, my note was at least it has an edge and a bit of pluck. I think I was being kind to it. I think it was getting late in the evening. It was probably 2 a.m. I was a six-pack in, a couple of shots of tequila. I gave it a 14, but my note is actually sort of kind. I said at least it, you know, has an edge and a bit of pluck. Yeah. I don't remember it. All right. So I, gave it, I agree. I gave it a 14, too. I thought that at least it it went in a direction that I, 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 I liked, and it was that much more that new that SoCal New Wave stuff. Uh and, and like I say, when there's Gerard, what's his name, and Timothy B. Schmidt. McMahon. McMahon. Poco. Be, be, be careful. Don't say too many bad things about Gerard McMahon because he likes to come on podcasts. <laughs> and I'm sure he's a wonderful person. But you know I what? think you'll be hearing from Timothy B. Schmidt. We will, we will not be hearing about Timothy B. Schmidt. Uh, no, we will not be. Yeah. All right. So uh, I got it. I gave it a 12. So you guys gave it matching 14s. All right. We are wrapping this this uh, little gem up. Here is uh, Goodbye, Goodbye by Oingo Boingo. Love the vocals around the two minute mark. I'm not a super big Boingo fan. And when he does a little rap, that little rap shuffle. Yeah, that's pretty rad. I do, I do love that part. That's probably what what got a little bit higher score for me. Um, and I and what I was your score. So so I gave this uh, I gave this my my 15. Um, and. And again, never was a super big Boingo fan. In fact, I think I, I offended a Boingo fan back in the day when I told them that I I think that my favorite Boingo song was Don't probably... Don't say weird science. Uh, I was not going to say that. Um, just Another Day. Is that... Is that, is that uh, that's off of that same album, though, isn't it? That's not bad. It's better. I, like I say, Weird Science is, ter- is like uh, the worst thing I think they did. Know, this was a... Super talented band, super underappreciated band. Um, I, this is my favorite song on this record. It's perfectly placed too. That outro where they talk about everybody else's future 
and what happened to him as they go to the credits. I thought this was just the way to end it. How 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 much more poetic can you get than goodbye goodbye at the end of it? Right, right. Good 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 placement of a goodbye goodbye as your as your final track. I'm um, totally with Wayne. I think we just switched ones and twos here. I put it as my second favorite on the record. Fast Longo Boingo song ever. I mean, that and only the la- only a lad are probably my favorites. But uh, it just wild sex in the working so class. Good. Yeah, it was such a good. Um, it was just such a good up note. You know, just right from that opening. I mean, it was just such a great celebratory note to end a really fun movie. I, it fits in the movie as well as anything. And I don't know. You know, I, I like Danny Elfman all right. I was not a huge Oingo Boingo fan. I got a couple albums, but that 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 song is like right there. With uh, the Jackson Brown song for best in the record. Yeah, and in in the facts that only I would care about. So, uh, did you guys see the TV spinoff of uh, of this movie? I oh had God, no! I didn't even know it existed. Oh, it exists, uh, and it was just called Fast Times. Danny Elfman okay. does the theme song for the for that show. Well, that's not uh, fair. He does almost every television theme song. Well, that's that's true, um, and it, and it, I remember it was not good. Uh, Mr. Vargas and Mr. Hand both reprised their roles in the in the TV show. Any so that idea? means Vincent Schiavelli. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Vincent. Vincent reprises his role. Um, and there are there are a couple interesting characters who uh, who who ended up being in the show. So Claudia Wells, who uh, who is Marty McFly's girlfriend in uh, Back to the Future. Uh, she's the lead character, so she's like the Phoebe Cates character, and Courtney Thorne Smith. Um, so she's she's uh, the Jennifer Jason Lee, and then um, Patrick Dempsey is Rat. No, don't. Yes. I, you know what? You're ruining my night. <laughs> stop. I just ruined your eighties. Yeah, you stop. Just stop right. right now. Okay, I, I, how do I not even know that existed? You're talking about the guy who had the fake fan letters from Mark Ratner, <laughs> Brad Hamilton. How did I not know that they made that into a spinoff? Uh, uh, probably because it is so bad. That's why. Um, so don't and don't don't go try and find it. Just don't. I won't. That, no, I won't. Yeah, no, this will totally totally ruin it for you. And I and I and this and I don't know how. Jonathan feels about Bruce Springsteen, so I hate to do this, but there, did anybody catch that uh, the cruising vessel is a big old Buick, just like the one in uh, my hometown, and it's got a Bruce Springsteen bumper sticker on it. Bruce Springsteen's sister plays the other cheerleader, plays the dark-haired cheerleader, yes. and Brad, at the mini-mart before he, uh, when he, when he uh, stops Eddie Murphy's best friend from robbing the place, has a Bruce Springsteen t-shirt on. I didn't. I, so, I well, didn't. Well, you, 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 so you, you like the box. Yeah, I do. Um, okay, I just well, so do I. I. I mean, you know, Wonder Run yeah. and River Nebraska, great records. We we can we can definitely agree at that era. All right, let's go through scores. What do you think are What do you think the big stinker was on on this? Uh, uh, for me, so, I guess it was Spicoli's so theme. <laughs> uh, Sp- Spicoli's theme is our second least favorite, um, tied with Highway Runner by Donna Summer. Um, and uh, because Wayne gave uh, Uptown Boys a little bit of a, a little bit of a pass, um, so that en- ends up still being our lowest score with an average score of four. Um, 
All right. Any ideas of our top five? What's uh, what do you what do you guys think? The, it's gonna the, be the... Jackson Brown. It's gonna yeah. be Oingo Boingo. Yeah. We know those two. You got the those. Go Go's. I think we all rated the Go Go's semi high. Oh no, Wayne didn't. Wayne was somewhere in the middle. Right? No, I no, was. No, no, no. I, I, was I was huge on the Go Go's. I was. I was on the radio. Has got to be in there. Yeah, race on the radio is is our third. Uh, fourth was uh, Fast Times, the best years of our life by Billy, and then uh, because I did a waffle stomp on the Go Go's. <laughs> um that that ended up being our five so there's there's our top five yeah uh well, that was fun we yeah we, i gotta go play darts so let's wrap it up i know uh jonathan wants to go go play some darts um so at the end of the podcast we always ask uh who do you know that i don't know who'd want to join us but i'm gonna i'm gonna answer it for you because i'm pretty sure you are friends with uh willie vlotten is that right oh yeah he's what one of my besties. So I'm in love with his new record as part of the Delines. Have you listened to that? Yeah, I got it. Title track. I'm doing a couple of dates with him next week. Oh my gosh! All right, so to put a bug in his ear, we would love to have him on the podcast. That title track, the Imperial, is gorgeous. I love that album. So let him let him know uh, we want him on the podcast. I will do. All right. Um, this has been fun. Man. Oh, absolutely. This has been a riot. You're you're the best guest we've ever had. I know we don't have a long hand history yet, but uh, this was a sh- shit ton oh, We'll do of it fun. in the garage. You get you, you you get out here, man. We'll do it in the garage. Okay. Well, I'll, <sighs> I, I I will be out there sometime during this summer. Um, I always try and come back at least once a year. So we're we're gonna make a date of it. That 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 sounds like a good time. All right. Okay, here we go. When do we do the out thing? Yeah, let's do it. Here, here it is. All right. So, thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a T-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out.